Hello and welcome to Already Saturday. It's Already Saturday. Welcome to it. We're your hosts. I'm Phoebe. I'm Nathan. We're journalists from Sydney. This is very true. It's Saturday, Nathan. How are you? I'm well. It's a freaking weekend. (laughs) How's your week been? What's been happening? Oh, look. I went to a mansion to look at some television products. Oh, what suburb was this mansion in? Oh, I can't remember. Lavender... No. Paisley, <laughs> parsley. <laughs> Something. A rich a rich person Something area. Something that sounds like it should be in San Francisco anyway. Mm. Yeah. What about you? How has your week been? Um, it's been good. I've had a good week. A lot's happened with me, so yeah. but I don't really want to talk about yeah, it. So let's not reveal just keep any it of that secret. Stuff. You could like stalk me on Instagram and find out probably what's been happening with me if you wanted to do that. I'm a bit of an oversharer, so I'll just try and not do that like for once in my life. And I'm an undersharer, so between us <laughs> you know the right amount. <laughs> You'll find out somehow yeah. or not. And enough will get shared. Yeah. All right, what are we doing today? Um, a lot's happening. It's all happening this week in a lot of Australian news, a bit of royal news. It's all happening. So yeah. shall we get into it? Yep. The Bachelorette has announced its Bachelorette for 2021. And it's a big one. It's a big announcement. They've announced Brooke Blurton is going to be this year's Bachelorette. Brooke is an Indigenous woman and she's bisexual. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal for the show. It is. It's a first. I bet it's a world first in terms of the bisexuality. Yeah, probably. That's probably correct. I have a few questions. Uh Uh-huh. First question, what's to stop people in the house just hooking up with each other this year? (laughs) Because it's going to be guys and girls as the suitors. Well, no, that could never happen, Nathan, because they just have to be obsessed with eyes on the prize eyes on the prize well the thing is in the bachelorette the guys always they do the bro code they're like i'm not gonna go against my mates and just be you know all for the cheer no, i don't want to i don't want to cut his grass <laughs> no no yeah. so i feel like the if the producers were being really evil they've sort of like introduced some women into the mix so they still get their their girl on girl drama yeah um it's true Different type of girl-on-girl drama this year as well. (laughs) They wrote about this in um, Junkie. Patrick Lenton wrote about it in Junkie. Good writer. He is a good writer. He he had a couple of paragraphs about this because it's been really well received. Um, People are really happy about Brooke being the bachelorette people think it's really great and sure. it is obviously like a really really fantastic thing i mean and she was on that footy player season wasn't she that guy that just picked no one what's his name the honey badger yeah the honey badger yeah, yeah. She was on his season and i think i don't want to say revealed but i think when she sort of disclosed that she was bisexual in the honey badgers season i think it wasn't handled very well i think it was handled in a sort of uh, what's the word like clumsy way I think, well, I think in it that they made it sort of like titillating or they were sort of insensitive about it. Right, yeah. And It's not like the, <laughs> the Bachelor to be insensitive. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think they sort of, maybe they villainized her a little bit yeah. over it and made out like she'd been insincere or something. Anyway. Yeah, um, which is ridiculous, obviously. We yeah. don't need to clear that up, but it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. but um, Yeah, so what do you think the dynamic will be like? Well, Patrick Lenton... Oh, you want to go back to Patrick? Let's hear it. He, he wrote this. 
But the funniest reason that people might think that the show won't work is that the addition of queer contestants will turn the mansion into a giant fuckfest. There is something mildly problematic about this idea, as it plays into both perceptions of queer people being based entirely around the act of sex, ignoring the hefty brunch component entirely, and of bisexual people in particular being horny and untrustworthy. He goes on. Well, Patrick has given us an explicit rating for this podcast, so thanks a lot for the E, Patrick. Um, but he goes on. But on the other hand, this is reality TV, so the people they cast for it have to inherently have a deep streak of chaos in them. You don't go on a Bachelor show if you aren't an agent of ca- of pandemonium in some way. That is true. To be honest, I didn't even think of like the bisexual element. I just think if you get if guys and girls are in the house. There's nothing that means they're going to funnel towards Brooke. They're just going to be hooking up regardless of whether they're gay, straight, or whatever. Like they just. I more just think this is what Patrick Linton says. It's this. It's the nature of the show. It's, yeah. You know, it, I believe it feeds it's off be that a drama. <laughs> but not for the reasons that Patrick. Yeah. Notes. I just think the kind of people that go on those shows put boys and girls in there, put a bit of competition in there. Put a bit of trying to make someone jealous by making hooking up with someone else. Like it's gonna be the most interesting season, I think, aside from the Sophie Monk one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my only I, I I like um most people in the media, like I think this is a fantastic thing for Australian reality TV, which is usually just so white and quite racist in the way they do the casting. I think it's great, but I have trepidation about how this is gonna play out because I think that it could end up being you know there could be end up being a lot of cheating scandals and it being yeah, a bit of a maths type situation yeah that's what's going to be good about it it's going to be no quite entertaining yeah of course yeah you're going to get a whole bunch of people in the house i reckon the sexes are going to be equally split i would imagine for the suitors they're all like some of them will have you know the right intentions in mind but others will just be in there for fame for sex for love for whatever reason you want to and it's no longer like a whole bunch of people trying to defeat each other to get the prize which is the point of these whole shows like they all try to win the woman or win the guy Mm. now it's it is closer to kind of like big brother Mm. it's like a big brother uncut Mm. without hot dogs yeah it is great to have some bisexual representation on tv and obviously aboriginal representation there's not enough of it and you know, I agree. Australians, they don't get to see it enough and they want to. It's part of like normal Australian society and Absolutely. so it should be on our screens. Yeah. More. To the fuck fest. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So we want to talk about vaccine campaigns. Yeah. All this week, people have been criticising the government for its failure to have a fun and engaging vaccine campaign to encourage people to get a vaccine. So what do you think, Nathan? Well, this all stemmed from that Singapore thing, which we'll play in a minute, mm-hmm. where they released like a crazy pop song encouraging <laughs> people to get the jab and not to delay and all this. Mm. And it's great. Let's like, play it for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll grab the guitar. Oh, you, you're going to play it from there. <laughs> I love it. Hey, 
It's very 80s. Yeah. They're rapped to like early hip hop. Where it's like, I'm rapping hip hop like this. Everybody's just talking. Chorus. Gonna get your shot. Get a shot. Love it. And that's out through Sony Music. <laughs> no? Yeah, but what a fun little campaign. It says that's here a song that people are going to be singing in 10 years' time. Go and remember that. Like, it says here on Twitter that this steady pom pp that they say in the chorus, it's a unique bit of Singlish that describes a person who is able to maintain one's cool and collected composure while handling a challenging task. Like getting a needle. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. And um, in Israel as well. Mm-hmm. They opened up because they had, you know, you obviously have to have different places, you know, capacity. They opened up bars to mm-hmm. get the shots at and they were handing out free shots and then free shots, as in alcoholic shots. Oh. Shot, like perfect. And they, or a beer. So there's something to be said for making getting your vaccine like a fun, fun event. And I know that they've talked about, they've just made it like such a, a grim like morsel here. They're like, we should be able to get a sticker and a lollipop. It's like, no, like make it actually fun. Well, they do like, it for voting. Yeah. Like because voting's compulsory, yeah, which so I know this isn't compulsory. and like some yeah. cake stall. If you live so, in Newtown like us, there are tofu options. So in Romania, <laughs> Romania this, Party I Central. saw this story on the BBC like a little while ago. It was probably like a month ago, but they set up a vaccine center at at a castle that they think it's called the Brand Castle. It's in central Romania, but it's the castle that they think inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula novel. So it's like a scary castle in Transylvania and you can go get vaccinated there. And I think they just set it up there because it was a it was an area where they could like, you know, yeah, vaccinate it's a, it's people. A big castle. Yeah. But then it turned into like a tourist attraction. People were like, I want to go get my vaccine That's in this scary area. And so I was thinking, you know, we should that's that would be a really good idea for them to set up these mass vaccine hubs at like tourist attractions. Like if you could get your vaccine at SeaWorld or at the Three Sisters. We'll set up a tent and have circus Mountains. animals there. Yeah, like and then people could take selfies there and it could be a sort of fun day out for you to go get your anyway. We that's... know at the show how they have like all the livestock and stuff. Just mm-hmm. combine the two. Just yeah. have like lots of chickens and pigs and they could call it the jab day out. Yeah, they could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, we should yeah. work in marketing. Let's, um, let's make it exciting to go get a jab. Yeah. But anyway, so... Or cabin jab. Instead of Catch people talking cab. about that, like Australian journalists have just all week on Twitter decided that like we need an advertising campaign that includes like comedians and musicians and a song and stuff. Yeah, I don't... But my only thing about this is that I just feel like if the Australian government had released a a, like light-hearted vaccine campaign it would have roundly criticized like there's no way it would have been well received that's well, there's no my way it would have opinion. been well done either yeah like dave hughes isn't going to convince me i feel me like the government's the recent track record of releasing light-hearted ads has been <laughs> like that milkshake <laughs> ad best, yeah. yeah it's been that they've they've been harshly criticized the government said this week that they do have 40 million dollars put aside to advertise vaccines but then they defended like not putting out an ad yet and said a lot of young people actually aren't eligible to get vaccinated yet so that's why there's no ad 
yet but didn't That's stop people online yeah. like decide like just be- basically making all the decisions about like what this ad is going to be what it's going to look like like who the comedians are going to be on the ad or the musicians or whatever like all the decisions ap- appear to have been made but also like, like is advertising <laughs> only effective when it's aimed at young people if that's the case, why are we seeing all those life insurance ads on TV? Why do Depends advertise? Like, that's a crazy thing to say. To I go, also, like, we... yeah, it's the, the other thing it's is... It's almost like our government is out of touch. Yeah. Well... Sorry, we're going to have to upload this to the political section of iTunes. Also, I feel like with the vaccines, like if you're targeting it at people who don't want to get a vaccine, I I don't know if you can convince people, like at the if they're targeted at anti Well, ad's not going to convince people to do it. But no. if you make it an event, it's like having those, like when you go to an event and they have like the selfie wall and they're trying to get you to upload photos and use a certain hashtag, you know, that kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. PR stunts. They just need PR stunts. That's all it is. People are joiners. If everyone, right. you know, have like pop-up, pop-up jab stores, mm. like the Odd Future store they had in Sydney. Just, you know, here's a pop-up store. You turn up and Guy Sebastian's the one giving you your jabs. I feel like a lot of people would, a lot more people would get vaccinated if there were more vaccines around. Well, and yeah, it was that's easier. True. Like, I know a lot of people who are eligible who just can't get the vaccine. Well, I got mine and then I started shedding protein everywhere. <laughs> are we done with that topic? Sure, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about Prince Harry and Prince William and the BBC? I always want to talk about Prince Harry and mm. Prince William. Okay, uh, so Prince William and Harry have said that the BBC contributed to their mother's death. Wow, that's that's a big call, isn't it? We're talking about the 1995 one, right? That yeah, the panorama. Yeah. yeah, the panorama interview. The one where she dropped all the truth bombs. Yeah. So Prince William said the BBC poisoned the relationship with his mother and the rest of her family and ultimately contributed to her death. Um, so this comes after an inquiry found BBC journalist Martin Bashir tricked Diana into the interview. This journalist, Martin Bashir, he showed Diana fake bank statements that suggested that she'd been bugged by security and that senior palace aides were leaking information about her to the press. And basically this inquiry found that the the information that he showed her that was fake, that made her want to do this tell-all interview. But not even fake, like doctored, doctored documents. Yeah. Yeah. And And of course she was paranoid. She was thinking like they're controlling the narrative. She was already super paranoid. They're all against me and I have to speak out. And And in this explosive interview, she revealed Prince Charles was cheating on her. And then she said a lot of disparaging things about the royal family. Yeah. Um, You know, that's what, that's the interview where she said, you know, they think I'm an on-starter. They don't want me to be the queen. Yeah. Where she said there were three of us in this marriage. Was that that one or was that another one? Either way, that's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff that he just lied to get her to spill all. So William released a statement today. It's quite galling. Yep. We're going to play it. Play it. That BBC employees lied and used fake documents to obtain the interview with my mother, made lurid and false claims about the royal family, which her fears and fueled paranoia, displayed woeful incompetence when investigating complaints and concerns about the programme, and were evasive in their reporting to the media and covered up what they knew from their internal investigation. It is my view that the deceitful way the interview was obtained substantially influenced what my mother said. The interview was a major contribution to making my parents' relationship worse and has since hurt countless others. It brings indescribable sadness to know 
that the BBC's failures contributed significantly to her fear, paranoia and isolation that I remember from those final years with her. But what saddens me most is that if the BBC had properly investigated the complaints and concerns first raised in 1995, my mother would have known that she had been deceived. She was failed not just by a rogue reporter, but by leaders of the BBC who looked the other way rather than asking the tough questions. It is my firm view that this panorama programme holds no legitimacy and should never be aired again. It effectively established a false narrative which for over a quarter of a century has been commercialised by the BBC and others. This settled narrative now needs to be addressed by the BBC and anyone else who has written or intends to write about these events. Boom. Wow, that is, that's shocking, isn't it? He it really shocking. goes at them. Um, well, Martin Bashir, the guy that he talks about, did the exact same thing to Michael Jackson. Do you remember that crazy documentary where he, like, they shot, like, he interviewed him over a period of eight months. It's the one where Michael Jackson spends most of it up in the tree mm-hmm. and he's, like, goes and, like, shops for all these kind of trashy, big, golden, garish things and goes in this shopping spree. He goes, I'll have that one. I'll have that one. And Bashir, like, pretended to be his mate and then slammed him. He promised that he would set up a humanitarian trip for Michael Jackson and Kofi Annan, who was the UN Secretary General at the time, Mm -hmm. to visit these children in Africa that had AIDS. Mm -hmm. And that was his promise. Like, And so that's the only reason Michael Jackson agreed to it. Jackson obviously complained when it aired because it was a hatchet job. And then Jackson released footage that his own cameraman took, and it shows Bashir going like... I love the spiritual nature of Neverland and all this, like just kind of sucking up to him to get him to open up. And then the whole documentary was about how weird and stunted and ridiculous Neverland was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is a quote from Michael Jackson's manager, Dieter Weisner. He said, It broke him. It killed him. He took a long time to die, but it started that night. Previously, the drugs were a crutch, but after that, they became a necessity. Mm. Isn't that insane? So Princess Diana and Michael Jackson, possibly the two most famous people in the last century, killed by this one guy. (laughs) Wow. Martin Bashir, terrible journalist, terrible human. It's crazy to think that somebody who is that unethical has so much access to these incredibly high-profile people. He lies. Like He told Michael Jackson that he would get the Secretary General of the UN to take him to a humanitarian trip to Africa like that's Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff like that's exactly in his pocket like he fed off the fact that Michael Jackson wanted to do this African humanitarian work saw himself as like one of those big kind of you know Gandhi style Mother Teresa style world leaders Mm -hmm. peace renegades Mm -hmm. and he fed off the fact that Diana was paranoid and felt that the palace was plotting against her Mm. And he just used this, like he really targeted vulnerable people. Mm. Yeah, horrible. And he's, you know, he's gotten away with it all. He's probably a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Well, he's got a lot of name recognition, so I'm sure he'll be in work for the rest of his life. Look forward to his Kanye interview. <laughs> anyway, I suppose it's I suppose it's good that there's been some kind of inquiry and that the findings have been clear. Yeah. Um, it's like 25 years too late. I also feel that recently Harry has been going through a lot of different things in his public and personal life and sharing a lot. And I feel like this is just another chapter in Harry's very bitter war with the press where he is just 
Yeah. He just sort of keeps getting validated in his feelings about, you know, the, well, pr- the, press is, the press is evil and the press has destroyed my family and the press destroyed my childhood and the press killed my mother. I mean, that's destroyed one Destroyed both my parents' that's, lives. Yeah, that's one of Harry's beliefs. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty clear. They chased but, her into a tunnel. Yeah, but the findings of this inquiry really deeply validate that feeling i suppose yeah i mean the only thing that's interesting about his current life i suppose is that he is you know he's pursuing a media career in you know and he's engaging very deeply with the press but it is really on his own terms i suppose oprah is a friend spotify the spotify and netflix things you know he's sort of got full creative control and he probably has a lot of creative control with the stuff he's doing with yeah well oprah. He's, he's starting up production companies and then signing distribution deals rather than just kind of yeah. signing up with a tv network or yeah something. not just yeah. him being exploited yeah but um i'm surprised it was um william that spoke out so heavily against this bbc thing like i would have well they both yeah. did they they yeah, right their statements were were pretty similar i mean yeah. i suppose it's one thing that even if they're I, I mean even if they're sort of estranged or they're not you know living in the same country or whatever i suppose that this is probably one issue where they will always be aligned Absolutely. and yeah. as a human being as well like it's it's just one of those things where your heart just like continually breaks for them when you think about it it is such it was such an unnecessary death it was caused by the press like it was just physically caused by yeah. paparazzi causing a car accident and well, they tore her apart over many years and then literally destroyed her body yeah it's insane yeah so that's probably where we'll leave it yeah <laughs> sorry about that guys but you know it's just one of those days on already saturday the weekend can only get better hopefully you'll be able to get vaccinated at SeaWorld. Just That's try true. and think about that. <laughs> yeah. Go to the petting zoo. <laughs> Pet a little chihuahua. Maybe your vaccine needle will have like a little sticker of a dolphin on it. Yeah. Well, I was trying to <laughs> say before, like a cab and a jab. That should be the new like one, three taxis. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Already Saturday. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Already Saturday or on Twitter. Yeah. already Saturday. Or go to my MySpace page, MySpace slash <laughs> N underscore Jolly underscore Heartbreak High, and then the Stussy symbol. Subscribe to the show and give us a five star rating if you dare. Yeah, we Tune do. in next week when it will be already Saturday again. Bye. Bye. Bye.